great to see everyone. Sing a song with us. You are for us, you are not. 
this morning. This morning, just give everything to God. Especially when you can't do it, you definitely can. Sing this with me. Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. One touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Go oh, praise the name that makes a
this morning.
God, I just want to lift you up this morning. Thank you for sending your son to die for us, the ultimate sacrifice. Just hear our praise, hear our
seated for just a moment and as you're being seated I want us to think about those words uh, that we just sang that it is Christ alone that is our cornerstone what does that mean well in history a cornerstone was used uh, in a building the first stone that would be laid in a building was the cornerstone and it was laid where it would hold two walls together the stone would be uh, cut out, and the stone was uh, very meticulously cut out, where it was square, it was straight, and when it was placed on the right foundation in that corner, it would hold the structure of that building together. That cornerstone was placed there so that everything else that was built around it and built upon it could withstand whatever storms may come. And when the storms would come, that that building would still be strong and stand. And when we think about Christ being the cornerstone of our life, he is that stone, that cornerstone that our life is built upon so that when the storms of life come, that we will have strength to stand. And that we will be able to stand firm knowing that our life cannot be moved because he is our cornerstone. <clears throat> 
As a matter of fact, he is the cornerstone that gives us the very life that we have. In Acts chapter 4, Peter talks about this. Peter and John have been arrested because of their faith in Christ and the work that Christ was doing through them. And when he spoke about the cornerstone, he said these words. He said, Jesus is this cornerstone, the stone that is rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which people must be saved. He's saying that this cornerstone is the very foundation of our Christian faith, the very foundation of our life, and it is when we build our life upon Christ that we can stand no matter what comes our way. As a matter of fact, it says that Peter spoke this with boldness, a boldness that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we don't have to live life very long to realize that storms are going to come. Storms are going to come that will knock the foundations of everything that this world can build to the ground. We recognize that this week as we remembered back 20 years to uh, 9-11, to the events that happened 20 years ago. And for some of us in this place, we remember that very well. For some that are here, you weren't even alive, or maybe you were too young to remember But as I was watching events take place this week that were remembering what happened on 9-11, it brought back a lot of memories for me. Uh, Back on that day, Shane and I were serving together in liberal Kansas. And I remember driving to the church and had the radio on and hearing of the events that happened. And as I was listening to the radio, the second plane hit the second building. And it was like, what in the world is going on? I'll never forget that day, the conversations that we had and just thinking of how quick our world could be turned upside down, how things can happen in just a matter of minutes that disrupt our entire lives. And by the way, our lives weren't just disrupted that day by those events, but they're still being disrupted today because of those events that happened back then. And that is how quick things can turn around. And I remember after that, we, we opened up our church. People were coming to the church to pray. People were seeking what is going on and where is our hope. And the church buildings were full, not just there, but in a lot of places as people were seeking out to God, seeking out for hope, seeking out for something, some stability in a world that is falling apart. This week, as I was watching that, I was reminded of the first responders that ran into those buildings, not thinking of their own lives, but just going in to save the lives of others. I've thought since then of the men and women who have gone to battle to continue to protect our country since that day. I was listening to some of the speeches yesterday, and one of them kind of hit me because uh, in that speech he said, We were attacked because of our freedom. And there's partial truth in that, but I want to remind you as a church, we need to be reminded of this. This is a spiritual war that's been going on. It's a spiritual battle. We were attacked because of our foundation that this country was built upon, and that was the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we have an enemy that is still coming after us today, that the God that they serve is not the same God that we serve. 
And they feel like it is their job to continue to destroy us because of that. And I look back at those men and those women who give up their life, and I was reminded of the first responders that we have. We have many that are here with us today in many capacities. First responders that are quick to go and not put their lives above others, but to be willing to protect and to help take care of other lives, whatever the situation may be. I think of the families that we have that have uh, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters that are serving in the military that are putting their lives on the line, and even church members that we have that serve in the military themselves today. And I'm reminded of those folks, and I'm so grateful how, how quick we can kind of forget and we can take things for granted. But aren't you grateful for those folks today? As a matter of fact, let's just show them our appreciation today for the first responders that are here, those that uh, are on the front lines, those that have family in the military. Can we just give them a, a thank you today for... This week has been just a good reminder that we need to remember those things. But it has also been a reminder to me this week of Christ, who is our cornerstone, and the wonderful love that he has for us, that even though the storms in life are going to come, even though the foundations of the things that this world built, the foundation that we have in Christ will be firm. It will not be moved, and the love that he has for us cannot be taken away. And we see that in Romans chapter 8. Just a quick reminder of what he says to us in this passage. What can take away the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword And I think today we could go on. Could it be disease? Could it be government? Could it be mandates that are placed upon us? Can any of that remove us from the love of God? Because you were being put to death all day, counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. In Christ Jesus, that cornerstone, We are more than conquerors through him, no matter what comes our way. Aren't you grateful for that today? Grateful for our Lord and Savior who loves us so much that gives us life. And when our foundation is in him, when he's our cornerstone, our world can be shaken, our world can be rocked, but we can stand firm in him. Let's go to him in prayer this morning. God, we thank you today for your wonderful love for us. Your wonderful love that was willing to give up your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that through him we could have life. God, we thank you today that he is our firm foundation. That when we build our lives upon him, that we know that we can stand no matter what comes our way. God, whether it is uh, life or death or anything that comes our way in this world, that we can live our lives unshakable because we know that he is the one that holds us together, that he is that cornerstone that gives us strength, that gives us stability in our lives. And God, no matter what happens around us, 
that we know that love is never failing, that the love of you through your son, Jesus Christ, will see us through. God, we are so grateful for that. God, I thank you today for uh, those in 20 years ago who laid down their life, who were willing to sacrifice their own life to save the lives of others. God, who were not putting themselves first, but put others before themselves. And God, we remember them today. We recognize them. We remember their families during this time. And we pray for your peace that passes all understanding to be upon them. God, we thank you for our first responders that are here, those uh, that help us out every day, no matter what comes our way, that they're willing to be there no matter what to do their part to help keep us safe. God, we thank you for our military and those men and women over these years who have laid down their life for the freedoms that we many times take for granted. God, we thank you for those that are serving today and we pray for their protection wherever they're at all around this world. God, we pray that they would just know your presence. God, we thank you for all that you do. God, we thank you that when we are not even deserving, that you still continually pour out your love on us. God, we love you because you first loved us. God, I pray now that as we prepare our hearts to study your word today, that God, you would just speak to us. God, wherever we're at in our life, no matter what's going on in our own personal lives, that God, today, we would just know your presence in, in this place, but more importantly, in our hearts. And God, we would hear your word as you speak to us this morning. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Good morning. To the three of you that are ready to listen, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're ready to hear what God's Word has to say to us. Let me just say that I know that today is as a kind of a mixed emotions, and yesterday was too. I found myself watching the things on the, you know, the Internet and reliving that over again. But for my wife and I, it's our 28th year anniversary too, so it's really sweet, and it was bitter at the same time. We were mixed emotions in that. I don't know many people in our world today kind of approach this date with the mixed emotions, and it's usually kind of a, kind of a dark time. And, and that's why I a question. Are you okay? Are you good? Listen, I, I really am excited this morning to share what we do. God is so good. We Over a year ago, um, we planned to do this a letter of First Peter, um, and his just timing is impeccable. It's perfect. We couldn't have done it if we wanted to. And the title today, or the topic that we're talking on today, uh, Jesus, Cornerstone or Stumbling Stone, I can't believe it's a more perfect time than today to share this message. So as David had you turn to First Peter chapter 2, I want to encourage you to follow along today as we talk about Jesus, the cornerstone, or the stumbling stone. Have you ever noticed in these times, whenever the world is in chaos and the world is kind of spinning out of control, that it'll cause people to usually gravitate toward the churches? David mentioned that he and I were together at, at First Baptist and Liberal um, 20 years ago, and I remember Rachel calls me on the phone, and I get my truck and run home to watch it on the TV, and all that stuff began to unfold, and it just was a heaviness that came upon me, but not, not just me, the whole community, and, and David was like, we need to unlock the church, people want to come and pray, and, and I remember the churches being, you know, just all day long, people coming in the church, getting on their faces before God, praying for our country to see the unity, and everybody coming together like they did on September the 12th 
was a beautiful thing. And the following Sunday, to see the church just packed out was really, really a, a good sight to see. I hated that it took something like September the 11th to get that done. But the point I'm making is people tend to gravitate, I know I do, um, in difficult situations and difficult times toward the hope that we have in Christ. But you know what else is, is, is obvious? Is there are a group of people who don't feel the same way. And they'll run away from God. They respond to Jesus um, and the gospel of Jesus Christ a totally different way. For some, they, he's everything. Like me, he's my cornerstone, as we sing about and David mentioned. He's the cornerstone that we build our life on. And he's the anchor that holds us in the middle of the, 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 the stormy seasons of life. But for others, he is the stumbling stone. For others, they can't stand the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, they persecute and attack anybody who stands for Christianity. Have you noticed that too in our culture today? It seems like the further we go along, the closer to Christ returning, it's heating up a little bit. And so if you stand with Christ, if you name him as Savior, it just seems like there's a group of people that just can't stand what we stand for. And so the, the reality is, is there's some that Jesus is the cornerstone and there are some that Jesus is a stumbling stone. And what's the difference? Well, for those who believe, Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, I want to remind you, Jesus, when he was eight days old, he was in the temple. Um, his mom and dad were being obedient to the law of Moses, and they were taking Jesus to the temple to dedicate him like all parents would do. He's eight years old, he's circumcised, and they go to offer a sacrifice and dedicate him at the temple. Now, in the temple, Luke chapter 2 tells us there were two people there. There was a lady named Anna, and she was a prophetess, and her husband had died, and it says that she spent all her days and nights worshiping at the temple. She was just there all the time. And another man was mentioned, his name was Simeon, and it says that when Simeon saw Jesus, the baby Jesus, the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's salvation or until he saw the Messiah. So Simeon walks up to Mary and takes baby Jesus, eight days old by the way, out of her hands. How many of you got a problem with that, mom? Get back. It's my baby, right? Simeon takes the baby Jesus, and he begins to just worship God. And he says, oh, sovereign Lord, now you've, you've let me see your salvation. I can, I can die in peace. It was kind of cool, right? And then he turns to Mary and he says this. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. This little eight-year-old or eight-day-old baby is destined to cause many to fall and many to rise. The reality is Jesus is a cornerstone to some and he's a stumbling block to others. For those of us who believe, we place our faith in the gospel, he's the cornerstone. So chapter 2, um, Peter is talking to a second generation of Christians, and he's already told them about the salvation that we have that's kept in heaven, um, out of reach of decay, it's undefiled, it's protected for us until the day that Christ returns. If everything else seems uncertain, that is one thing that as believers we can be absolutely certain of. Our salvation is kept for us in heaven until the day it is revealed to us on the last day. Amen? So we have that to look forward to, and that should motivate us in this life to live lives of joy, not circumstantial joy. In other words, if things are going great, I can be happy and joyful, but joyful because of the hope that we have in heaven. This living hope should produce joy in the believer, even in the midst of trials and circumstances. That's what Peter's telling these early Christians. And it should produce within us this sanctification. We're growing in our faith, and we're allowing him to grow us in our faith. And then he gets to this idea of a, of a cornerstone. And so he says, for those who believe you're coming to Christ, Jesus is the living cornerstone of God's temple. I like the word living because it, it gives us a picture of life. He is alive and he's active and he's still our living cornerstone for the church. Amen? 
So I won't go into too much detail since David kind of covered that, but the cornerstone was the very important part of a foundation of a building, the most important part. It had to be set right. It had to be set first, and everything was built on top of that and tied to it. So the cornerstone was extremely essential. Now he goes on to say that he's the cornerstone um, that we're coming to, and he says he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. He's precious to God. Now, in John chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus came as the Messiah, and it says they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. It goes on to say he came to his very own people, and they rejected him. So this cornerstone was rejected by men. The Jewish people rejected it because um, they were used to the law, and they felt like they could be made right with God by following the law. Jesus comes along and says, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. That was hard for them to, to, to wrap around their minds, so he was a stumbling stone to them. They rejected Jesus. But aren't you glad that men don't set the standard for which we put our hope and faith in? That it's not responsible for man to choose the cornerstone that we're going to build our life on. They rejected him, but it says God chose him. God chose him for great honor. He is precious to God. So he is the cornerstone. Aren't you glad he's the cornerstone? All right, are you with me so far? So Jesus is the cornerstone. What are you building on the cornerstone? Look on in verse 5. It says, and you, so he's talking to believers, and you are living stones. If you ever wondered why somebody was being a blockhead, I mean, that's where it comes from for me. Like we're living stones. But he says that we are living stones that God is building into his spiritual house. So you have Jesus as the cornerstone, and on that cornerstone, he's building this spiritual temple, spiritual house, spiritual dwelling place. He says God is building into his spiritual temple. Now, there are several different places in Scripture, a couple that I want to mention briefly. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, talking to the church, he says, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. He's talking to Christians, you're God's building. And then he says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already laid, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. That settles it. There's no other foundation, right? So you're the building. Jesus is the foundation, the cornerstone. Verse 16 of that chapter says, don't you realize that all of you together, believers, all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. Why? For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So that imagery is there in 1 Corinthians. It's also in Ephesians. Again, Paul says, so now you Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, he said, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, say together. I'm just making sure you're with me. Together, we are his house. We're a brick house. I'm sorry, that just came to me. But we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So for those of us who place our faith in the gospel, we believe that Jesus is our cornerstone. And on that cornerstone, we believe that he's building us into it. We're, we're incorporated in his building program, right? We are his building. He's building us up. We are part of his building program, as I said. So he says, you are living stones. 
He says this, what's more, you are his holy priest. So now he's changing imagery a little bit. And he's saying, as a living stone being built up into God's temple, on the cornerstone that Jesus is, no other foundation that can be laid, Jesus is the foundation. Now we have a role, and he says, you're a holy priest. Well, back in the Old Testament times, the priest had the responsibility of offering sacrifices on behalf of the people. Not everybody could go before God in the Holy of Holies. In fact, once a year, one priest, the high priest, was chosen to go behind the veil and to offer the sacrifice. So just one person, once a year. And yet here, Peter tells us that we are holy priests. Now, what do priests do? Priests offer sacrifices. Now, we're not offering animal sacrifices or grain sacrifices or pigeons or turtle doves like Mary and Joseph would have had to present at the temple that day. But we are holy priests, he says. And so, looking through Scripture, we get an idea of what a sacrifice for us looks like. So, first off, in Romans 12, it says um, that our bodies are a spiritual sacrifice to God. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. It's an act of worship. He says, don't copy the behavior um, and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So one of the spiritual sacrifices that we offer continually is we give him our bodies as a living sacrifice. Here I am, God. Everything I am, it's yours for your service. We also offer our praise. Have you heard the song, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord? You remember that one? It's an old school song, worship song, but we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15 says, for this world is not our permanent home. Church, this world is not our permanent home. If you place your faith in Jesus, you belong to his kingdom, and we are temporary residents on earth. This world is not our home, right? So that's what he's saying. This world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This salvation that is kept for us, one day every eye will see Jesus and we'll be at home with the Lord. Praise God for that. Therefore, because of that, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of whining. No, it doesn't say that. Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. So another sacrifice that we make is a sacrifice of praise. Do I have any praisers in the house today? All right, thank you. We're up from two and three up to like ten now. That's good. So sacrifice of praise. And then our good deeds, the works or the sharing with others, is also a form of sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 16, it says, And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And so we, as holy priests, are offering these sacrifices, whether it's giving him our, our body, whether it's singing praise or making a big deal about God in praise, or it's doing good works, not to earn salvation, but because we've already earned it because of the gospel. As a sacrifice of praise, offering good deeds and sharing with other people, it's a sacrifice that pleases God. Paul even went a step further, and he says, even my death is like a sacrifice to God. Listen to what he says. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. 
just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. So we are being built into this temple on the cornerstone. We are living stones, and we have a role, and we offer sacrifice to God regularly, spiritual sacrifices. Good so far, right? So I like to think of Jesus not only as a cornerstone, but the cornerstone is a foundation. And how many of you know he's a worthy foundation to build your life on? Not only just building your life on, but, but leaning on and relying on in difficult times, in the stormy seasons. So Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, tells one of my favorite stories, parables, about the wise and the foolish builders. And he talks about the, the wise man built his house on the what? How many Sunday school people here we got, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, the foundation, the, the cornerstone, and the winds came, and, and, and the rain fell, and the floods came up, and that house stood sturdy and strong because it was built on the foundation. Church, you need to know that we still stand on the foundation of Christ Jesus, and he's worthy, and he's able to hold you steady in the storms of life. Let me just say this. I like a football analogy. We're in a football season. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I love football. But, you know, when the, when the guys are getting ready to go play a game, they spend some time in the locker room before the game. You know what they're doing in there, right? They're, they're pumping each other up. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of talk, right? You know what we're going to do? We're going to dominate in defense, and we're going to dominate on the offense, and we're just going to wipe the field with these guys. We're going to go out there and win, win, win. And the coach is hyping them up. They're not through yet. They still got to go to the field for 60 minutes. Amen? So, so the game is actually the test. You can, you can brag and, and talk a big game and talk in the locker room, but you got to go out and deliver and back it up on the field. Are you following church? Because the church, to me, is like the locker room. And we come to church every week and we're pumping each other up. You know what? Our God is greater. There's nothing that's too difficult for God. And God is for us. Who can be against us? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Raw, raw, let's go get them. It's like a locker room. But then when we leave these four walls, that's when we need to demonstrate that faith. That's when we back up all the hype, right? We say we trust God. Do we trust God? And so in times of um, uneasiness or unsettledness in our world, when we're looking at the things going on around us, I am just convinced and convicted that we need to stand more firm than we've ever stood before. The world is watching, and you know what? I will not be shaken. I'm not fearful. I'm not anxious because my God's in control. Right? I, I, I'm not minimizing COVID-19, but God's bigger. I'm not minimizing a government that has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs but God is bigger. Amen? I trust him. And I'm not going to be fearful. And I'm not going to live in anxiety. I stand on a solid, worthy foundation. And you do too. Do you know that this morning? If you've placed your faith in Christ, he is your cornerstone. He is your foundation. He sustains you. That's encouraging, right? That's for those who believe. But then for those who don't believe... There's a completely different perspective. It's like, for those who believe, he's the cornerstone. For those who do not believe, he's the stumbling stone. Listen to what it says. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. He's, re he's uh, responding to Psalm 118 there, or, or recalling that. And he says, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. Isaiah uh, chapter 8 there. Some of your versions will say he's the rock of offense. Have you ever seen people that are offended at God? Offended at the gospel? 
And he says, for those who do not believe, he's a stumbling stone. He's going to cause people to trip up over the gospel. They don't want to um, yield to God's control in their lives. They don't want to admit that they're sinners. They don't want to admit that they need God. And, and so because of that, they reject him. They're disobedient to him. And he is a stumbling stone to them. And we see that in our world today, don't we? A lot of people will say, don't you, don't you talk about Jesus to me. Christians, y'all need to sit down and shut up. And quit preaching that archaic stuff that, you know, you get with the 21st century or whatever. I mean, we hear it regularly, and we're going to hear it more and more and more. We need to realize that there will be people who will reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is a stumbling stone to them. The question is, is he your cornerstone or is he your stumbling stone? Chances are I'm talking to a bunch of people in here that are here because you placed your faith in Christ. Or maybe you're, you're searching, and so the majority of you would say, hey, he's my cornerstone. And I want to build my life on that cornerstone. Because there's no other alternatives, right? There's no plan C. It's, it's either A or B. It's cornerstone, stumbling stone. But for those who reject the gospel and reject Jesus, this stumbling stone, it says it makes them fall. It says they stumble because they do not obey God's word. They don't want to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't want to submit themselves to the salvation that is made available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're still trying to work it out. Hey, me and God got this deal, and I'm working hard, and at the end of my life, God's going to weigh my good and my bad. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus is the only way, right? And they, they stumble, and he says, because they disobey God's word. And it says, and they meet the fate that was planned for them. Another um, verse talks about th this rock crushes them. And so they meet their, their doom because they reject Jesus. Church, you need to know, he's either cornerstone or he's stumbling stone. And my plea with you this morning is that he is your cornerstone. I hope everybody in here has is, is, is placed their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The most important thing that you and I can do, Jesus, I trust in you and you alone. You're my cornerstone. It's like going to Vegas and betting it all on Jesus and let it ride, right? I, I'm not trusting in anything else. I'm trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. He's my cornerstone. So if he's the cornerstone, he's building us on this solid foundation, and he is a worthy foundation in difficult times and difficult seasons, the question might come up, okay, so, so what? What does this mean? It means that we need to make sure we know where we're at with this. Is he our cornerstone or is he our stumbling stone? And as I said, the most important thing we can do is respond to the gospel and place our faith in Jesus as cornerstone. But, but how do we continue to be built up on him. God's got his work, but as I said a couple of weeks ago, we have a, a part in that as well. And so how are we built up? How are we built up into this spiritual house? How do we get stronger in our faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. Three things. Look at verse 4. Back up at verse 4. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. You are coming to Christ. Now, Initially, we come to Christ in salvation. It's like we place our faith in him and we are saved. But the picture here in the Greek is a, a continual coming to Christ. You are habitually coming to Christ, regularly coming to Christ. It gives us the idea of intimate association, um, of confession, uh, communion, and fellowship between believers and between the Lord. It is a regular getting together with God. How many of you know we call that word fellowship? Church, the churches need to be filled to the max today. 
Not just after a tragedy 20 years ago, the churches should be filled today. Not just living water, every church should be filled with people seeking God's wisdom and direction for their lives, especially in this season of life that we're living. Amen? Church should be filled. And so for us, what does that look like? We fellowship with him. So open your your Bibles. I mean, get your Bible out regularly. That's fellowship with God. Allowing God to speak to you through his word. Pray regularly. Get on your knees and say, God, I need to hear from you. I need direction and wisdom from you. That's fellowship with God. Get involved in a Bible study. I mean, our Bible study should be so full that we have to create new ones because there's too many people wanting to get together and learn God's word together. They should be full. Get in a Bible study. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. And so we need each other. And when we come together in fellowship and opening the Word of God and studying it together, um, that is the essentially, it's, it's fellowshipping with God. And obviously cor- corporate worship where we come together and we praise God and we're challenged in His Word and hopefully encouraged in His Word, all of that's fellowship. And so I would say that's on you to fellowship with Him. We need to We need to get more intimate with him. Amen? The beautiful thing, he says, um, whoever draws near to me, I'll draw near to them. I think you can be as close as you want to be. So fellowship with God. Secondly, I would say um, believe or trust in him. We put a lot of trust in a lot of things, don't we? I know people that are trusting in their money. Can I just tell you, all it takes is one bill that's signed by those crazies in Washington, and your nest egg is gonzo. They did it to Social Security years ago. Money's fleeting. There's no security there, right? Well, I'm relying on my health. Well, the health could be gone tomorrow. We hear stories all the time of people that are absolutely healthy that succumb to some disease or COVID, and, and you're like, wow. I mean, it, it, there's no stability there. We trust in it, but it's fleeting, right? Well, I'm trusting in the government. <laughs> really? This government? They're messed up. I trust my dog more, Right? She's a boxer, right? So, but we need to put our trust in him and him alone. He's the only one worthy of our trust. He's the only one that has proven and demonstrated over and over and over again his faithfulness. And it's like saying, Jesus, I'm trusting in you and you alone. I'm not going to trust in anything else, especially in this season. I'm trusting in you. I'm relying on you to keep me steady in the midst of the uncertainty. I'm relying on you to give me peace. You know that peace in Philippians that passes all understanding because it doesn't make sense. How can you have peace in a time like this? That's holy. That's divine. Lord, I'm trusting in you to give me that peace right now. I'm trusting in you to bring me safely through this. I'm trusting in you to get me home when this is all over with. Trusting in him, him alone. What are you trusting in today? Lastly, look at um, verse 11. Well, let me go back because he gives a little encouragement there before he gets to that. Verse 9, he says, after talking about those that reject Jesus as the cornerstone and the fate that awaits them because they disobey, he says, but you're not like that. Church, you need to know you're not like that. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, then you're on that cornerstone. He is your cornerstone. He says, you're not like that for you're a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. How does that make you feel to know that you're God's possession? As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. 
Once you receive no mercy, because you know you were following the law and you were hoping it would give you mercy, but you can't find mercy there. It just showed you the need for salvation, which was in Jesus. And now through the gospel, you have received mercy. That's good news, isn't it? And so he's like, hey, listen, you, you're in God's family. You belong to him. You receive mercy. You're in the darkness. Now you're in the light. I mean, you are a blessed group of people. Now, what does it look like in the, in the midst of a strange land that we live in? We're strangers, right? We're foreigners or outsiders living in a strange land. What does it look like walking it out day after day after day? Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Did you catch it? He says, be careful how you live. Be careful to live properly. Well, we know that the guidelines for our life is found in God's word. And the Bible says to him that knows to do good and does not do it to him it is sin. And so we have this idea that God is speaking to us and he's showing us how to live our lives. And we should follow this and we should obey his teachings. That's the point. So, right, we fellowship with God. We trust in, in God and we obey his word. In fact, to go back to the parable that Jesus told on the Sermon on the Mount, the wise and the foolish builder, he said, those who listen to these teachings of mine and Put them into practice. Or like the wise man who built his house on the solid foundation. Those who listen to the teachings of Jesus and ignore them are like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Do you see how important it is for us to build our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus and his word? Christ is our cornerstone. He is our foundation. And we need to be encouraged this morning if you've placed your faith in Christ that you've put your hope in a very reliable source in God who doesn't change doesn't change his mind he's faithful amen and even when we experience hardships and confusing times in this world that we live in and if you just go read the Fox's book of martyrs you'll see time and time and time again people that met their death in horrible ways and yet in that moment God gave them this overwhelming sense of love passion and peace and even joy as they were being killed and martyred for their faith. That's not natural. That's divine. Amen? And in the midst of anything that we struggle with, to know, you know what, I want to be obedient to his word. I want to apply his word in my life. And in doing that, he's continually building me up, building me up, building me up. And he supplies me with hope. He supplies me with joy. He supplies me uh, with a confidence. I don't have to be afraid. Right? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I fear? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? So question, is he your cornerstone this morning? Is he your cornerstone? Christian, do you realize that he's your cornerstone? Are you putting yourself in a position where you're saying, Lord, I want you to grow me, to build me up into that spiritual house so that I stand strong Knowing that his foundation is sturdy, it ain't going anywhere, but we have to come to him. We continually come to him, and he does his work in our lives. He is a sturdy foundation. Let me give you a few song lyrics that we're used to hearing. One of the ones that we sing is, I will build my life upon your love. It is a strong foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. Right? Because it's on a solid foundation. How firm a foundation, one of the old hymns, how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, 
to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, all other ground. Church, all other ground is sinking sand. The church is one foundation, um, is Jesus Christ our Lord. We are a new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and taught us what perfect love can be. Through life and death he sought us and rose to set us free. Jesus is the foundation. And one that I personally don't know, but it's called Jesus the Rock. It says, Jesus the Rock on which my feet may safely and securely stand, while all around me sinks and falls and scatters like the crumbling sand. Jesus the rock, I cling to thee, though waves and billows round me roll. Jesus my hope, my only plea, the stay and comfort of my soul. Jesus the rock on which I build, the sure foundation, true and tried, bright star of hope for ruined man is Jesus Christ, the crucified. Jesus the rock stands firm, secure, unyielding, though the storms may beat. In this sure trust I anchor fast and find a blessed safe retreat. Jesus, the rock, blessed Savior, thou art all I want and all I crave. I trust in thee, for well I know thy mighty power alone can save. Church, I got good news for you. Jesus is a solid foundation to build your life upon today. And he's a solid foundation to stand on in times of uncertainty. And that should bring some encouragement to each and every one of us this morning. Amen? But maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, yeah, I don't know where I stand with him. And the most important decision you make is what you do with the gospel. And you hear me say that all the time. It is the most important decision you'll make. And so I'm going to ask you to consider that as Jesus my cornerstone and place your faith in him. For others, you're saying, you know what, I just feel like there's some stuff happening. Every time I open the paper or um, if people even do that anymore, I look at the internet, read the news, turn on the news. It feels like another chapter of Revelation is being unveiled before our very eyes, and we're thinking, man, it's got to be getting sooner, closer, closer every day. How then should I be living my life? I want to build my life upon his love because it's a firm foundation. So for you, maybe it's like, you know what? I want to get more involved in church. I want to open my Bible more and get committed to that. All right, I, I want to begin praying more because tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Amen? So I don't know how God speaks to you through this today, but I hope that we're all encouraged, but I also hope we're challenged. And just like the football analogy, you know, we come in here and we get encouraged and we hear all the good news about God. It's time for us to walk outside of these four walls and to live it out loud, to let our actions demonstrate the faith that we say that we have. we got to back it up. Amen? So when the world around us gives way, and I can stand and say, I'm not afraid. And I, and I won't fear. I'm not going to live with the anxiety. I'm going to trust in him and him alone. Why? Because he's proven himself over and over and over and over again in my life. Right? Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Do you trust him this morning? That's cornerstone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth in your word and the encouragement that comes from it. Lord, that you are our solid foundation, the cornerstone. Lord, going back to Simeon's prophecy of how this child, Jesus, is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. We see that playing out before our very eyes. Even in our lifetime, we see people who come to Jesus and trust in him for salvation. And he's their cornerstone. But we also see very clearly that he's a stumbling stone to very many other people. 
And Father, I pray that in this short time that we have left on this earth, that more people would wake up to the truth of your love for them, that they would be uh, reminded of their sin and their brokenness and their need for salvation, and they would turn to you in faith and trust you for salvation. Lord, for the believers, I pray, God, that we would be spurred into action, that we would be challenged in our faith to not just go through the motions, Lord, but to take this, this time that we have left on this earth as outsiders, as foreigners, sojourners, temporary residents of this strange land. We know this world is not our home, so, Lord, help us to take um, advantage and, and make the most of every opportunity in front of us to live out our faith in such a way that people might look at us even though they might accuse us, on the day that you return, it'll bring you great honor. Our conduct will. Father, that maybe some could say, I, I need to know what hope you have because you seem to have your life together and mine's falling apart. Would you share with me what, what it is that makes you that way? And it gives us an awesome opportunity to present to them the gospel. Father, would you help us to be willing uh, or to be moved by you from where we're at today. Challenge us in our spirit and our hearts and help us to act it out when we leave these four walls today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.